Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey and this is High Performance, our gift to you for free every single week. This is the podcast that reminds you that it's within your ambition, your purpose, your story. It's within, it's already there. We just help you to unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. So right now, allow myself and Professor Damien Hughes to speak to the greatest leaders, thinkers, sports stars and entrepreneurs on the planet so they can be your teacher. And you're not alone. Tens of millions of people every single year are coming to this podcast for the lessons and the learnings. And remember, it isn't about high achievement. This isn't about high success. It's about high happiness. It's about high self-worth. It's about taking you closer to a life of fulfillment, empathy, and understanding. So welcome to the club. Today, this awaits you. I won't get offended and I won't let potentially what's happened cloud my judgment of what should or could happen next. So instead of going into defense mode and thinking, oh, well, why are they behaving like that? And I did everything I could. Forget that. What could I have done differently to influence this situation in a more positive way or the way that I wanted? So I almost do this thing of, I don't want to use the word blame, but I will instantly come back on myself and say, okay, well, what did you do wrong, Capri? I can honestly say that I have lots of goals that I set all the time, both personally and professionally, but my ultimate like life goal, I don't know if this is going to sound embarrassing, is simply to have a content, happy life. You do have time, but if you find yourself making the excuse of I don't have time, I think you probably don't care about it enough or want it enough. So for me, it's just be unapologetic. And if you believe this, anything that you can do, even if it's just the one word, the one sentence, the one nugget, just jump in there and always push yourself forward if you believe it will get you the result. Mm. Don't, Don't be shy. Don't be nervous. Just go for it. Now, this is an episode that I resonated with so strongly. So Harpreet Kaur joins us on today's High Performance. She is the latest winner of The Apprentice. She won it at the beginning of 2022. And she is a brilliant, strong, successful, powerful woman. And she shares what is a remarkable journey and a stunning mindset with us as well. She turned up to the record with her sister. And I tell you, they are a powerful double act, man. They were brilliant. They were full of energy, full of life, but also full of learnings and lessons for you. Um, and actually, I thought a lot while talking to Harpery about my daughter, uh, Florence, who's, again, a bundle of life and energy and is ready to do some amazing things. And I suppose she's at that wonderful point where she doesn't really know quite how much of a challenge the world can be. She just sees all the potential. And I hope she stays like that because Harpreet talks to us about the challenges. But one of the things that shone out to me is that life is tough, but so is she. And I hope that any young women, particularly listening to this, take the message away from that, that they're powerful. And look, I know that Florence is going to outgrow my lap, but she's never going to outgrow my heart and my desire to wrap my arms around her. And there is a point where I'm going to have to sort of let her go, I suppose. And that's why we talk often in my family about roots and wings. My parents use that phrase. We use it with our children. And it's about making sure that you give your children the roots to understand that at any time they can come home. As soon as there's a problem or an issue or something where they just need some advice and some protection, some love, they can come home. But at the same time, they have the wings and the wings allow them to fly wherever they want to go and really enjoy the rest of the world and all the wonderful things it has to offer. So Harpreet, thank you very much to you and your sister for inspiring the next generation of young female entrepreneurs. I can't wait 
for Florence to listen to this episode. And I know that you at home are going to love it as well. Just a quick reminder, if you can share these episodes, it makes so much of a difference to us. Please share it with your work colleagues on WhatsApp, pass it around on your Instagram, stick it on your Twitter. Just mention it to some random person that you think might benefit from it because you never know. You look at someone and you think all the time, oh, they look okay, they look cool, they look strong. They look like they're doing okay. Well, you know what? Maybe they're not. And maybe the messages and the lessons and the learnings from high performance is the one thing that they need to hear. Anyway, thanks very much for coming along. Let's get on with it. It's time for this week's episode of the High Performance Podcast with the winner of The Apprentice, Harpreet Kaur. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Harpreet, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's start then with your definition of high performance. I think if anyone knows me and knows me quite well, I think they'll probably think Harpreet's in, always in high performance mode. I think if you're going to do something, like put 110% in. Um, but for me, high performance actually means something different for everybody because we're all unique, right? And we've all got different natural abilities. So my high performance isn't going to look the same as yours even if we're both putting 110% in. Which plays in nicely to something that we talk about often on, on the High Performance Podcast, which is world-class basics. Because we think that lots of people are walking around feeling they're not high performance because mm. they think high performance is such a difficult target to reach. It's mm. almost like this intangible thing that no matter what they do, they're not going to get there. Mm -hmm. The truth is world-class basics, or as you said, just really excelling in every tiny area in your life mm -hmm. can get you closer to high performance mm -hmm. and probably the ultimate definition is is happiness so when did you realize that when did you work out that dedication and discipline and consistency and hard work married with a real sort of sense of purpose mm -hmm. is is actually what high performance is mm -hmm. I think maybe going back to when I was around 18 19 I started university in Leeds in marketing and advertising management but I really wanted a job I really just wanted to get out of the house, to be honest. I wanted to start earning my own money. And uh, I got a job as a cashier um, in a bank. And 
I don't know what it was, but I just really loved it because it was my first opportunity to kind of get out there in the big wide world, speak to customers. And I suddenly got this real knack for it. And I remember skipping my lunch break because I wanted to reach my sales targets. And that's when it started clicking. And as I saw like my colleagues around me thinking, whoa, like this girl is on fire. She's already being put up for promotions faster than we've kind of seen before. And that's when it started clicking that actually, if you enjoy something, you're passionate about it, and you really kind of put your foot on the pedal, you're going to achieve results faster. So then instead of going back to university the traditional way and completing my second and third year, instead of doing uni the traditional way, I studied from home and completed my degree that way full time, as well as working my way up the, the retail banking ladder full time because I didn't want to have to wait for either. I wanted to keep climbing up the world of work and I wanted to get my degree and I wasn't prepared to let either go. So I just absolutely hammered my way through. So tell us about that, because that to me is about a capacity to bend time then, that you're working full-time and progressing and still doing really well, because you got a first, didn't you, university? I did, As yeah. well. So mm-hmm. tell us about how you managed to maintain excellence in both of them. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, one, I was younger than I am now. I'm 30 now, but I know that I'm a little slower than I was when what I was back then. I really wish I had the same energy. Really? I really do, yeah. I was, I don't what know. What were you like then? From. Tell us. I was just so laser focused. I just didn't care about anything else other than reaching my goals and being the best at at everything and I don't know if back then it was actually fed more from a place of I want to be the best um, and I want that satisfaction whereas I think as you get older a little bit there's a bit more acceptance where you can't be the best at everything all of the time because it also might not make you happy. Um, So you've got to pursue goals that are true to you that make you feel good. I don't have kids now, but you know, I didn't have children. I didn't have any extra responsibilities. I'm living with my parents. I've got nothing else to do. So of course I'll fill my time with work because at the time I just didn't see anything else was worth doing. Perhaps no one else many people don't do that they don't fill their time with work they fill their time with going out and Mm. socializing and all those other things like was that not on your radar I think that's probably going to come back to my childhood and like the household that I was brought up in I'm so glad that my dad was this way but he was actually really really strict I wasn't allowed to go out. I wasn't really in an environment where I had the opportunity to go and enjoy these social events. I grew up in Birmingham. I was then lifted from that space that I was comfortable in at 11, 12 years old up to West Yorkshire, which was a completely different vibe altogether. They were worlds apart at the time, or for me at that young age, they were. So I guess that was just my little life, my little world. There was nothing else going on at the time. I didn't really have the opportunity to go out and do social things. So why not just work instead? So tell us about friendships then. Mm-hmm. Like, because that sounds like quite a traumatic experience to be lifted at 11 when mm-hmm. you're just about to go to high school and transported to a different mm-hmm. part of the country where you, so, you have no social network or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. What struck me when you were describing that experience at the bank was that other people were seeing this girl on fire Mm. and it didn't seem to bother you that they might be jealous or they might be Mm -hmm. envious of you. So tell us about Mm -hmm. your relationships that you have outside of your Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I was actually a really shy child, which is hard to believe because I'm pretty confident now. My nickname was Bookworm. I used to just bury my head in a book. So even back in Birmingham, like I was not the loudest character. I come from like a full on Punjabi family. So there's, 
always a big character in the room but I was actually the shy one my parents loved that because I was the sensible one I just got on with it I, I buried my head in books I had my friends at school but I was I wouldn't say withdrawn but I just I guess kept myself to myself not because I was un unhappy or anything but we all have certain like a certain nature I guess when you're born right we're all a little, a little bit different so when I actually got moved to West Yorkshire I did find that difficult at the time because as a kid I didn't know anyone I wasn't really able to go and explore those friendships outside of school so I guess you could say I was like pretty isolated at that age and then fast forwarding to then I think where I grew in confidence which was at the bank and getting to actually meet like lots of people from different backgrounds it just kind of started to click that actually this is kind of fun I like talking to people I like learning new things it didn't even enter my mind that people would ever get jealous or anything and I, I don't think they did but that's not something that's ever bothered me is what other people's emotions are because I've got my own to handle I'm gonna look look after me I'm fascinated that you say that's where I got my confidence mm -hmm, from because mm -hmm. confidence is built on evidence. Mm -hmm. So what kind of evidence were you getting mm -hmm. that gave you the confidence to mm -hmm. go out there and be sociable, go after your goals, mm -hmm. to go and pursue your ambitions? I think just really basic. So I think back then it was targets. So I guess this goes back to the world of work and I guess that's why I'm so driven and it gets me going. We had targets. You had to book a certain number of appointments from customers and have those conversations and put yourself out there gain that customer's trust and book them in to see a personal banker. And I used to smash those targets. I absolutely loved it. And I remember my manager sitting me down and saying, you are one of the best cashiers we've like ever taken on. And that was just, that was my moment. I thought, okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm like really going to show everyone what I've made of. And I was just, I think, unstoppable from there. So what's interesting is you would never say your passion was being a cashier, right? No. But actually what we find from a lot of these conversations is it doesn't actually matter often what your passion is. To really go all in with mm. it and just mm. to give it absolutely everything you've got, then you actually find a different kind of passion. You mm. find the passion that comes from a sense of reward. Mm. And it feels to me like whatever it is that you would do or were doing, then by going all in, you realise the benefit and the value of yeah. it. So what, what do you say to people who say to you, I haven't got the time for that. You know, life's mm -hmm. busy. Because mm -hmm. you managed to find time to get a first mm -hmm. and work full time and get promotions. Mm -hmm. You do have time. But if you find yourself making the excuse of, I don't have time, I think you probably don't care about it enough or want it enough. I'm a driven person and I, I know if I really want something, I will get it and I will, I will get the job done. But if I relate it to other areas of my life, for example, fitness, okay, I've always wanted to be like this really like fit person. I want to be really healthy. I want to go to the gym five times a week and I'll manage it for a while, but then I'll always dip because for me, work is my passion and I'll prioritize that over going to the gym. So instead of me having that excuse for myself and thinking, oh, I don't have time, actually, I probably don't care or want it bad enough because I'm prioritizing something else. And I think it, it is difficult because I feel like we're told a lot these days, I'll oh, find your passion in life. What are you passionate about? Follow your passion. What if you're not passionate about anything or you just really don't know? And actually the alternative is deal with what, like, what could you get into possibly? See if you enjoy it. And if you do, go full whammy. Yeah. See the value in giving everything to whatever yes. it is you're in, I think yes. is, is a good bit of advice for people, right? Agreed. Give it a good go. And that's the only way that you'll know, actually, I'm having a really good time here or this definitely isn't for me. So I'm going to change my direction. And that's fine, too. I think there's a lot of pressure on following a certain career or having to stick things out. 
it takes a lot of courage to also know when to exit a situation or to change direction because you have to put your ego to the side as well. Go on, say more about that. With banking, I'd worked my way up and I, I became a bank manager. You know, I think I was like 23 maybe at the time. Um, I'd gone to a really cool leadership program. There's only four people in the country on it. My dad was super proud. But I wanted to go sell waffles from a stand with my sister and I just suddenly changed my mind. From an outside perspective, you know, people probably don't fully understand that. Like, what, you've got a great career going in banking. Why on earth are you going to go give that up? and go and sell waffles and ice cream from a stand in a shopping centre, that doesn't make sense. But I just firmly believe that if you change your mind, it's okay, because at least you've looked back and you thought, I've given it a go. Because you've always got a backup option. I could easily have walked back into banking if setting up my own business wasn't for me. But I had to put my ego to the side to do that, because to go from being a bank manager... Uh, and, and managing a team to then standing there making waffles seven days a week and handing out flyers from a stand is a like completely different direction. Can you tell us how you deal with self-doubt? Because there's no way that you made this decision and then you are standing there and you're handing out flyers and maybe you had a quiet day on the stand or maybe you had a bit of a row with your sister or whatever. <laughs> and you're suddenly thinking, have I really given everything up for yeah. this? Still how think that now. <laughs> how, how, how do you deal with those little voices that come into your head? Because the person that we see before us now seems and feels so confident, mm. so laser-focused. Mm. But you must have doubts, Harps. Oh, absolutely. Everybody does. Like, anyone that says they, they don't, they're either lying or they found a really, really good way to overcome every single one of them. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like the position I'm in now doubts don't then affect my performance or affect my efforts towards something. Sure, like when you first set up a business, we didn't make any money for like a good six to 12 months. We didn't pay ourselves a single penny. And I remember having to borrow money from our mum to pay staff. And that's embarrassing, right? You've just given up a career in retail banking and you're now going to your parents asking for money to pay for your team. So yes, you do have those doubts, but I believe that the most successful people find a way to push past those doubts and keep going because no matter what situation you're in, personal, professional, things are not going to go smoothly 100% of the time. You're going to get hit from every single angle possible. And we've experienced that many times. And whether that results in financial loss or a hit to your ego or there's a huge customer complaint, whatever it is, no day is going to be the same in anyone's life because there's just always something that crops up. But you can either let that affect you negatively and think, okay, am I good enough for this? And I've had that before, like imposter syndrome, like, what am I doing here? Am I good enough for this? And I think at the beginning, I found a way to kind of fake that confidence. I thought, no, I'm going to like fake it till I make it. And it really did work for me for a while. And I guess I've just managed to believe my own thoughts that actually, yeah, you are good enough because we're all human at the end of the day. We've all got the ability to learn. We've all got the ability to educate ourselves. None of us are any different from each other. We've all started from somewhere. Can I take you back, though, to that mm -hmm. moment that you just described at the start of that answer, Harpy, where you're talking about you've risen through the ranks in banking, you're the bank manager at 23, you've been identified as only one of four mm -hmm. leaders in the country on this programme. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that you're earning a healthy salary there, you're starting to get rewards and bonuses mm -hmm. for what you're doing. So if we imagine you're at that place and then mm -hmm. what you're describing is you're going to jump off that cliff mm -hmm. into a, a place where you don't know if there's a safety net, mm -hmm. you're not going to pay yourself for 12 months, you and your sister are going to open a, a waffle stall. 
I can imagine that some people around you were thinking, that's reckless. Would you tell us about your decision-making criteria mm-hmm. to, to take that leap? Mm-hmm. For me, when I'm making a decision, and I know I'm known for making really, really quick decisions, because for me, the alternative is worse. So... Again, going back to like when you're younger, you don't have extra responsibilities. I didn't need to think of a mortgage or children or dependents or anything that would happen negatively if it didn't work out. So I do think it depends on your situation and your personal circumstances as to what, how much of a risk that you can take. But for me, if I did not take that step, well, then the alternative's worse because I'd be left there wondering and wondering and wondering, oh, if I set up a business or if I took that risk, what could I have achieved? And actually, if you just go and do it and it doesn't work out, worst case scenario, cool, like, what have you actually lost there? It's a slight dent in your ego, but go and get another job because money's going to come and go. We all lose money. We all earn money. And I don't believe that should be the biggest driving factor when you're making decisions. So I had nothing to lose. Brilliant. Okay. So so like when we had Grace Beverly on mm-hmm. this podcast as an entrepreneur, she spoke about the benefits of the side hustle mm-hmm. as advice to entrepreneurs of maybe just start it small, do oh, it yeah. at weekends and evenings. Was that ever an option for you? That was the actual intention at first. So I had a great like thing going on with HSBC. I was branch manager in Oldham in Manchester and wanted to have a side hustle and actually I dabbled with a few ideas I'd imported bags from India at one point thought oh we'll have a little cute bag business and I tried to learn how to do women's nails and thought oh great I'll set up a little nail salon and none of them stuck and then the desserts one kind of like kept growing and my sister had just graduated from uni I had my job in the bank and we thought we could potentially do this on the side like let's set it up get it going and we'll pop stuff in And a lot of people like manage to have a side hustle and that's fantastic. You know, it's great to have multiple streams of income, 100%. But when we started growing the dessert business, we realized we don't actually want this as as a side hustle. I really want to grow this as a company. I don't want to stand in the waffle shop myself for the next 30 years. I want to grow it as a concept. So to be able to do that, sometimes you have to make the decision and the leap, okay, shall I just go full force, see how it goes, then maybe I extract myself or I can carry on or I'll assess it when we get there. Because I think it's it's very, very important to have a plan 100%. But I think sometimes people can get, can get fixated on a long-term plan. Let's think of what we're doing in one year's time, three years, five years. The world might have completely changed by then. There might be a global pandemic that forces everyone to close down. So actually, it's good to have those long-term goals, but sometimes you have to take baby steps to get there. And I actually remember driving home from from work one day and my mum and sister were sat there with coffee and cake as we always used to have when I got home. And I literally very dramatically chucked my handbag. I don't know why I did this. Chucked my handbag. I was like, guess what? I'm going to quit. And they, they just stood up and they were like, what? And they loved it because... It was exciting. You get a bit of a thrill from it. You know, when you take that risk and you get that adrenaline rush, it's like, are we really going to do this? Like, it could go all wrong, you know? It's like, yeah, but so what? Like, we're still going to be here, so... I get the sense that you enjoy that, though. Yeah, I do. I'm quite a spontaneous person, and I like doing things that give you that adrenaline rush. I like pressure, very high pressure. 
that's where I thrive best. But you, as you've just said, you know, you had that conversation with yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. And I think that can be a really powerful thing to say yeah. to yourself, right, imagine a situation. What's the single worst thing that can happen in that situation? If I can handle that, yeah. then I should make the decision and I should go for it. And I love a conversation like this where we're talking about big belief, big ambition, yeah. but you're marrying it up with real bold brave decision making because I think there are so many people walking around that have the big idea have the dream mm. but they don't yet have the courage to make the call that is going to potentially be a disaster but could be incredible mm. so let's talk about long-term planning Susie Marr joined us on this podcast um she was only the runner-up on The Apprentice obviously heartbreak uh, but she's <laughs> she's, she's gone on to do amazing she's things amazing. with traffic and she spoke to us about infinite purpose so yeah. it's, it's your purpose, but it has no end. And the nice thing about this, you know, you're saying you can have big goals, but then the world may have shifted. Yeah. So you have small goals. The great thing about an infinite purpose is that it's a big goal, but it also has no end. So it's always there. So ours for this podcast is reach more people around the world every single day to get them closer to high performance. Yeah. So none of those things we can ever reach, which I love. What would you say is your infinite purpose? What is the thing you really want to do that has no end? I can honestly say that I have lots of goals that I set all the time, both yeah. personally and professionally. But my ultimate like life goal, I don't know if this is going to sound embarrassing, is simply to have a content, happy life. Yeah. And that just means being true to yourself. And if that means being successful in business, or if that means quitting and running off into the jungle and whatever it is for other people, do what makes you happy. And for me... I am the type of person where my goalposts have really changed as time has gone on. Sometimes you change your mind. Sometimes your vision changes. Sometimes the world forces you to change like where you see yourself. External factors or circumstances beyond your control happen. And I think that's where maybe people fall into that negativity trap where things aren't going the way that they thought that they would. Well, then just change your goalposts and just change your thought process around it. Do you allow negative thoughts? No. So do you have a thought in your head, what if the business goes under? What if I fall out with my sister? What? None of that. Then what? What? What is the worst that can happen? I know this sounds so bad, but honestly, sometimes the thought that crops up into my head where I'm like, is anyone going to die? No. Okay, let's do it. I don't think I would ever fall out with my sister. That's not something that ever concerns me because I think sometimes in life you have people that you know, they've got your back and you've got theirs and actually there's nothing that they could do that would it'd be like, okay, if there's something that she needs to do that I don't understand, she must have done it for a reason that's right for her. So that's never phased me. And if the business went under or, or I had that thought, well then actually I, I just go into problem solving mode and I think bringing me on to what I believe enables me to perform at what I believe is a high level is constantly troubleshooting and constantly problem solving I won't get offended and I won't let potentially what's happened cloud my judgment of what should or could happen next so instead of going into defense mode and thinking oh well why are they behaving like that and I did everything I could forget that what could I have done differently to influence this situation in a more positive way or the way that I wanted so I almost do this thing of I don't want to use the word blame but I will instantly come back on myself and say, okay, well, what did you do wrong, Harpreet? So give us an example then of where you've applied this. Okay, give me a second. <laughs> I like this. I've really been practicing something called like assuming just positive intent 
all the time. So if someone is being rude to me or I believe they're being rude, but actually they're probably just having a bad day and they might not even subconsciously realize what they're doing. Instead of me getting defensive or taking offense, I'm not going to change my front or my personality based on what you're doing. And I'm actually going to positively influence you. And we're all going to end up having an amazing day. And I'm much more likely if I need something from you, I'm probably going to get what I need from you. And you're going to get what you need from me if we can actually just, let's be positive about it. Let's not offend each other. And I'm going to assume that you're trying to say something to me, but it's just coming out the wrong way rather than you're actively being rude to me. Because it is about your response to what they're saying. You imagine if some, if I swear at you, you'll take offence because it's offensive, but you're taking offence because you're adding on why I'm swearing, what's happening. Yeah. If I, if someone, if you're walking down the road today and someone swears at you in Portuguese and you don't understand, they've still sworn at you, yeah. but you've probably turned around and had a laugh and said, sorry, I don't speak Portuguese. Exactly. And you've carried on walking. The offence is still there from the other person. The reaction is entirely on you. God, I like A hundred percent. Obviously, I'm on Instagram now. I'm on social media. A lot of people want to, you know, learn about my journey with the business, but also have a little bit of a snippet of Harpreet and her life. And I think I put something on the other day about my naturally curly hair. I said, oh, you know, what do you guys prefer? Just something cute and girly, which is usually the opposite of what I am. I'm very business focused. And I thought, okay, I need to give people like a little, little bit of me. Loads of people are pressing the button like, yeah, curly hair harps. And this one lady um, replied and said, you know what? Who gives a F? I don't really usually respond. And again, it just bounces off my back. It's like, okay, cool. Like she's obviously having a bad day. But I decided to reply to her and I screenshotted the number of people that had responded and said, well, actually, Rosie, over 2000 people do care. You have a great day and a little smile. And then she put um, a bit of an essay and said, well, I expected more from you. I was supporting you on The Apprentice. You know, you don't need to put these silly things out there. I expect better from you. And I, all I put was, again, instead of rising to it and saying, well, well, I can do what I want. I just said, well, Instagram is for a little bit of fun. It's for me to express myself. Sometimes that's about my business. And sometimes that's just a little bit about me. Um, but thank you so much for the support. Obviously, she completely reversed what she said, backtracked. She gave me an apology. She said, you know what? I'm really sorry for being snippy. And you know what? Your curly hair looks amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) So just a small example of you don't need to take offense to what people are saying to you. Just bounce it back and you can positively impact their day too. So can I fast forward then? Because what you're describing sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. But then you've just come through a TV series that Mm -hmm. is famed for the opposite of that kind of behaviour, sort of like acerbic remarks, infighting, mm. throwing each other under a bus. How did you cope on The Apprentice with taking that mindset into mm. an environment that sounds like it it thrives on the opposite of that? I think that mindset is ultimately what got me through to the end and got me the win. There weren't too many tasks that I lost. I think well, I lost t- t- two times out of 10 tasks. So luckily I was saved from the boardroom and I didn't have to stab anyone in the back. But for me, having that mentality, even when we're on task, I kind of removed it from my mind that we were competitors and that actually people could be here manipulating or playing a game or trying to say things to then get a rise out of you so they can bring it up in the boardroom. I completely removed that from my mind, from my mentality, and I laser focused on winning every single task. So for me, it was nothing to do with what other people are doing, what other characters are doing, whether they stab me in the back, whether they don't. For me, it was just pure business and business skill. And if that meant I had 
to then assess and point out in the boardroom what I feel someone could have potentially done better from my opinion, that's fine. There's, that's a completely professional thing to do. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you put your empathetic, assume best intent head aside for those moments where you have to point out that someone has not done a very good job, but obviously with the best intentions, they're doing their best, they're on the show as well. They're probably nervous and anxious. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I think I've always got that switched on in me. So I definitely believe you can completely be direct and say exactly what you think without being offensive. For example, I do believe this person tried their best and I'm not sure I could have done any better in this situation. However, I do feel that X, Y, and Z potentially led us to fail the task. That's pointing out exactly what they've done wrong without being... An X, Y, Z about it. (laughs) (laughs) You can still say your point without being offensive. And I think maybe sometimes people can struggle with that. You can still be nice and be direct. Yeah. Can we talk about Alan Sugar? Of course. Lord Sugar. Lord Sugar himself. I'd love to know why you find him so inspirational. And I would also love to know the things he said, the things he's done that Mm -hmm. you've already learned from in the time that you've been around him. Mm -hmm. So I've grown up watching The Apprentice, huge fan of the show always wanted to like give it a go and think I can do these tasks I can you know prove myself to Lord Sugar I really like the fact that he's direct you know he doesn't fluff around things he's a very sure person he's a very confident person he's a businessman a billionaire and he's built that all from scratch himself so he explains his journey a lot in in, he's got a few books but in his book that I read you know you can follow his journey understand how he's done it and he's been very unapologetic about it and again going back to goals you know, set your goal and just go get it. Don't let anything get in your way. And I think that's what I find quite inspiring about him. But going through the apprentice journey and the journey after the apprentice, I think what I've probably learned most about Lord Sugar and gained confidence with my own skill with is, again, just being almost shameless about what you're trying to do or what you want to achieve and how you need to get there. So if you want something, say it because people can't read minds 
If you want something at a cheaper price, say it. If you expect a better customer service, say it. Don't let it wind up inside you and then it all kind of explodes later or you're on a power trip or, you know, you save it and bank it and think, oh, we'll bring it up. Say it in the moment, get it out, and people can just quickly learn, move on, grow in confidence. Don't worry about the person taking offense because if you position it the right way and they respect you, they've got a choice whether to listen or not. And I think that's given me the confidence for my own management style because going on The Apprentice was quite shocking for me to watch back because I didn't realize that that was my style at all. Because you never watch yourself back, do you? You go about your job and about your day and you assume in your head that you're coming across a certain way. You don't realise fully unless you're actually watching yourself back on camera. You're like, wow, okay. So what was it that you perceived yourself as when you watched yourself back on the TV? I don't think I quite like realised how laser-focused I am. So this is what's actually given me the confidence, and I love it because it's made me more confident about achieving my goals. I believe I'm quite a balanced person, but I didn't realise that how like this sense of urgency that I create when I want to get something done and how I can almost like command that from everyone else if we're trying to achieve a task or a goal. And I do believe that's that's what helped my team win week after week and got me through to the end is because what I've noticed about myself is I, I try not to leave any stone unturned and it's about taking 100% responsibility. So if I'm in a team or I'm on my own, regardless I will take the whole task almost upon myself and then utilize the team or not delegate but think of how we can work as a team to achieve that common goal I try not to think about my individual performance I only think about the goal and how we can get there and just have that constant winning mentality and fixate on the end result whether it's me that contributed in this area whether it's someone else whether you go pitch whether I do it Let's all use our best skills to get the win rather than me proving myself to anybody. See, I mean, that sounds like a great example of that famous quote that it's amazing what you can achieve if you don't care who gets the credit, you know, and that's what you're describing. And yet I'm just interested in how you balanced it up on a program where there are then people that are demanding the credit. And you also need to get the credit to win the show. (laughs) It's a really weird situation because on task, you, you are a team, you have to be a team player. You need your teammates to win, just like you do in any situation or any business. You have a team around you. And I always say this, but anyone saying that they are 100% self-made by themselves, it's not true. There's always a team around you. There's always a support network around the most successful people or people that have helped them along their journey. You can't do everything by yourself to achieve the most amazing results, whether it's using someone else's knowledge or their help, support, whatever it is. We can only achieve amazing results if we lean on each other. I personally believe that I wouldn't have got to where I am without an amazing team around me. My sister's involved in the business. I have an amazing team. If they weren't there at the waffle shop, well, I wouldn't have been able to go on The Apprentice and win an investment. So there's always other people involved. But then, yeah, it is pretty weird because you then go into the boardroom and you have to say, me, 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 like, this is what I did. And I love pointing out what I, you know, what I do and what I contribute to a task. Um, So it is quite a weird situation and you have to get that right balance. But I honestly had the most amazing experience. It was awesome. And it it taught me to be able to get that balance of team and individual. And I know it's early days, what would you say so far is the single best piece of advice that you've you've heard from Sir Alan, either 
directly to you, to you and your sister, to an, to someone else that was said as an aside that you heard and thought, yes, I love that. <laughs> so I got roasted a little bit. Um, I think the one time that I actually took a little bit of a step back was on a task where we where we lost for the first time. So I had this winning streak and then we lost a task where I stepped back a little bit from jumping in on a negotiation. I didn't realise that Lord Sugar and his team thought I was a good negotiator, but they'd have observed me negotiating well on a previous task. But I was just doing my thing. And like I say, it didn't really bother me who gets the credit. Let's get the job done. But in this particular moment, I wanted to allow this other person to like, you know, them flourish and them have their moment and let them negotiate because yes, we all need to compete, but they'd made it clear that they wanted to lead that. And I didn't feel that I could have done any better at that stage or I could have jumped in. But then I, I got really told off for it in the boardroom. And they're like, you're good at negotiation. Why didn't you do it? And for me, it just taught me that I'm always in the driving seat. Like I, I hardly ever take a back seat. And it taught me the minute that you take your foot off the pedal and you don't put yourself forward for something, it's then highlighted. And if it goes wrong, it's like, well, why didn't you step forward? So for me, it's just be unapologetic. And if you believe this, Anything that you can do, even if it's just the one word, the one sentence, the one nugget, just jump in there and always push yourself forward if you believe it will get you the result. Mm. Don't don't be shy. Don't be nervous. Just go for it. And how does this relate to other experiences in your life where you've lost? Because looking at it from the outside, I think there's people that would see that you've had a you've had a pretty linear progression from from university, the bank setting up the business with your sister, going on The Apprentice, where uh, like ultimately you've ended up winning on each of those mm-hmm. occasions. But what about the occasions that we don't see, that we don't mm-hmm. necessarily know about, where you've come away licking your wounds, feeling that you've come off second best? Mm-hmm. How have you handled those experiences, Harper? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, like there's no way that my success or where I am today has been a linear route, you know, setting up the business has been really difficult. You lose money at times and you think, oh my gosh, like, why did we do that? Or why did we go with that supply when we should have asked this question? We've now It's now resulted in this loss. Or the sales are nowhere near where we pitched them in our mind to be and we're now struggling. There's always a struggle. People only see like the surface of anything. For me, I'm actually a huge believer in sort of manifestation and I know there's a, a couple of like schools of thought around achieving your goals. You can either say, okay, visualize your goals, see it, believe it and achieve it. So, you know, set your goals, what you want to do, set a time scale, and set about how you're going to do it all with the right intentions, have the right mentality, have the right attitude. Or there's another school of thought, which is see it, believe it and receive it, which is more to do with the law of attraction and attracting what you believe should be in your life and then you have to allow things to fall into place and for the universe to deliver to you and this is where I sound all wacky for me because I am a believer in that side of things and I do believe that what is meant for you will either happen or it won't it's not that it doesn't phase me when something doesn't go my way or what I wanted it to I'll just go back to the positivity side of me and say, okay, well, maybe that wasn't lined up for me right now. Maybe that's not meant for me. Or do you know what? It might happen in a few months' time when I'm ready for it. Um, whether that's a business deal, whether that's something in my personal life, maybe that's not what's supposed to happen right now and I'm supposed to take a different direction. Where I want to be really careful about this, this kind of conversation, I don't want people to hear this and think, great, I'm going to sit on the sofa no, you can't. 15 hours a day, watch 
crappy daytime yeah. TV and write down on a piece of paper, I want to manifest a Ferrari, right? No, it doesn't matter. Like the two that. things are not going to happen. I think we need to be really explicit to people mm. that when you talk about manifestation, mm. you're talking about a lifestyle, you're talking yes. about a way of living where you marry up, I think, three crucial things. You marry up what you want. Yes. You marry that to total belief and absolute positivity yeah. that it's going to happen. Because what happens then is your behavior marries up with the positivity. So you want it, you're positive about it, you believe it's going to happen. Yeah. Therefore, you wake up in the morning and you believe this great thing is only six months away. So what do you do? You go in the gym because you want to be ready for it. Then you pick up the phone to have a conversation with someone with that absolute belief that a great thing is it. going to happen. Because yeah. in your head, it's already happened. So you talk, let's say it's you want your business to be turning over 10 million pounds a year. You're already talking like a person with a business with a 10 million pound turnover. So then the yeah. people you're talking to are going, this person's obviously got a successful business, the way they're talking, yes. the way they're discussing expansion and growth. And, and then well, lo and behold, what happens in six months time, you're where you want to be. But it's because you believe and because your behaviours followed the belief. I think we have to make that clear, yes. right? Yes. I'm not trying to promote any kind of weird witchcraftery or thing. Oh, whatever you pops in your mind, it'll be there tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. It's exactly what you just said. It's 100% total belief that it's it's there, it's going to happen. So you now need to prepare yourself for that to happen. So for example, in business, okay, I want to turn over 10 million. Hopefully one day I need to manifest that a little bit harder. But okay, let's now work backwards from that. And let me set what sales targets would I need to achieve per month, per week, per day to get to that 10 million? Mm. And if this is what it looks like per day, what can I do with my sales team? What can I do to reduce my costs? And what steps can I take to be able to achieve that daily goal? And then it manifests into that bigger goal. And break the daily goal down into... Should I be eating that specific food? Should I be not going to the gym? Mm. Should I not bother calling that person who I don't really want to speak to, but I know they might be a good person to have a conversation with? You break it right down to yeah. right at the start of this conversation, world-class basics, daily yeah. habits, those small things, yeah. married to the big goal. Yeah. I just want people to understand that success can be an algorithm. If you follow yeah. certain specific behaviours, it can come your way. Yes. I think if... Obviously, everyone knows me for being on The Apprentice. If I relate it to that as an example, when I decided to apply for The Apprentice, I 100% instilled it into my brain with absolutely zero doubt I was now going to be on The Apprentice. So I got my calendar. I worked out the dates that I would be in the house. This is the day that task one will happen. And this is way early on when I just filled out the application form because I needed to prepare for when I'm away and task one, task two. And I actually picked up my diary and honestly, funnily enough, it, I, I'd got to week 11, 12, worked out when the interviews would be and worked out that, okay, this is when Lord Sugar will say to you, you're hired. And it's in my diary and I've kept it. And did you get the date right? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I've got the sequence right. But yeah. from there, what I did then, I thought, okay, so that interview's then. I'm now going to prepare for that one specifically. I'm going to like Google how many people have been on it before. I'm going to see what they did, what kind of like activities do I need to do to prime myself for that step now I'm going to go on myself a really sick power suit because I need to look the bee's knees when I turn up and meet Lord Sugar and you you believe it so much and you plan for it but I do also believe that okay if it didn't happen and if it doesn't happen there is a reason for that like it's okay but guess what you've at least made active steps in the right direction so if you don't achieve 10 million as your target well guess what you might achieve six or seven or eight and that's way better than what you started off at 
I think Stephen Bartlett spoke about this actually recently while I saw something online where he says, if you can just improve things by 1% every single day and it's just the smallest of things, well, over time that's going to accumulate and you're now, rather than worrying about that huge goal and how you're going to get there, you're now so many baby steps closer and you can look back and think, well, I've actually made some progress. And how do you encourage other people within your business to adopt this same mindset? It's a tricky one because... We all have different perspectives, different personalities. You know, with my business, it's a dessert business. I have a lot of like younger staff that join the company that are maybe part-time. It's very much a hands-on role. Come in, we serve customers. So for me, it's just constantly instilling positivity. You know, if we do get a bad review or sometimes you can't please everyone, but rather than saying that and saying to the team, it's okay, you know, we've had a disgruntled customer. I try and relate back to them and say, like, what could you have done differently? I mean, you might think that you gave perfect service, but was there a phrase that you said that you could have switched up that would have actually really helped influence the outcome? So I try and question things back to them and say, okay, put it on yourself. What could you do differently next time to avoid this in future? And hopefully it rubs off on them a little bit. We do, we do have a really good team at LCM. And in the back of your mind, you know that it's 100% your responsibility if they don't deliver. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it is really tricky because we've been doing this for like six years now and it'll be coming up to seven years. For the first three to four years, me and my sister were completely hands-on and we actually didn't allow any extra help. We only had staff in on a Saturday and Sunday because we wanted to do everything ourselves. And I think that's really what's helped us because if you work your way from the ground up, then you understand every element of the business. But it is tricky because if you want to grow your business, you can't be everywhere at once and you have to be able to trust other people and give them some responsibility. But ultimately, if you're the head of the company, it all does spring back to you and it is on your shoulders at the end of it. So again, I only think that helps drive further high performance because if you continue bringing it back on yourself and you continue thinking, okay, let's work on this, let's get it better, let me train this set of managers and they can then feed through... No, it's never going to be 100% perfect, but at least it, it's going to be slightly better than if you don't try. We're going to move on to our quickfire questions. But before we do, just one final thing. that I, It's been such an empowering, uplifting, positive, go for it, it's all on you conversation, which is great. Yeah. But I, I do think it's important for people to realise that you're not just sitting here as someone who has tasted success from minute one to today. And whether it's in your personal life, your private life, your business life, what would you say is this, the lowest low point on this journey that you've, you've learned from? It can be a, quite a lonely journey when you're really like striving for the highest performance because you are at it and you are motoring on. And sometimes other people don't understand that. So whether it's your family or whether it's your friends, they don't understand, well, hang on, why are you working till midnight? Surely you're working too hard. And it's almost having to deal with that little bit of guilt and anxiety because that's what you want to do in that moment. That's your passion. You do also want to have great relationships with your family and your friends, but you can't do everything. You can't balance everything. And I think that's what I have really struggled with quite a few times in my life and in the past where I don't have that balance because balance should really be, okay, have a gorgeous morning routine, do a bit of yoga, go to the gym eat a delicious, nutritious breakfast, go to work, finish and sit with your family in the evening. That sounds perfect, but it just really doesn't happen that way. And it can be really frustrating at times because you just think, why am I doing this? I just want a normal life. Like, please kind of just go get a job nine to five and I can switch off in the evening. 
But if you're not built that way, you're not going to enjoy that either. So you just have to accept, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice something. Do I either go get myself a nine to five and feel really unfulfilled as a person and I'm not being true to myself? Or am I just going to go chase this and I'll see my family and friends when I can and hopefully they'll understand, but I'm feeling really content. You have to find that. And often it really changes. And I know it's changing as I'm getting older. You know, I would love to settle down and have children one day. But right now, there's just no way I can think of that because work is my 100% focus. But I need to get better at balance. I want to go to the gym more. I want to eat better because I enjoy those things. It's just really hard to spin plates at all, all the plates at the same time. You remind me of myself, you know, in so many ways. Be totally honest, have you got any friends from school? I do. Do you? I do, That's yeah. That's interesting, because I would have thought you'd have been so single-minded on the work and the next step and Well, things. actually, truth be told, I lost connection with my group of friends from school for quite a long time. Yeah. Because I was just... How many have you got? So laser... I've got one. You've got one friend? Because <laughs> I was just... One friend from school. My mates. Uh, yeah, my yeah, mate. Yeah. Not one friend in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I don't have loads because I've... In my my life has always been like... I was all in to... When I was on CBBC yeah. and they were my mates. But then I yeah. got a job on Formula One and I had to give that 100%. So I was all oh, in yeah. that. So though you then lose connection. Then you go to football and you lose connection with the Formula One lot. And that's the way life is. And, you know, I can't stand small talk, basically. Oh, me either. So like... When someone says, do you want to come for a night out? I'm like, "Hmm, I'd rather stay at home and write my plan for the next six months. (laughs) It's really hard though because, yeah, 100%. It makes me sound sad, but it doesn't. That's me. That's me. And I think it's hard because there's not many people that are like-minded and really understand that. And they think that you're working too hard, but you're not. You're doing what you enjoy. But sometimes you do need friends. And when you want to go out, it's like, okay, I kind of need a friend now. Um, I have, with many of my friends almost lost connections at times and there's been six months or 12 months where we just haven't spoke but it's not because I don't care about them it's just because I just feel like I'm wired a little bit differently like I wish the absolute best for them and I hope they're living their best lives and I really care for them and I can't wait to see their journey but for me personally that doesn't mean touching base every two days three days or going out every single week I can't do that because that doesn't allow me to sustain my goals would you do anything differently though no I am because of everything that has happened and I'm honestly so happy. I've never been in a position where I have been happier. You know, I dreamt of going on The Apprentice. I dreamt of getting that investment and I've gone and done it as a result of my hard work, not because I'm lucky. I haven't been an overnight success. I've really worked hard at school, at university, in the workplace and on my business. So I do feel like I deserve to be in the position I am and I'm so excited for my future. And if I regretted anything or did anything differently, I might not be sat here. Of course, there's times where it's like, oh, I wish I did that or I wish I went to that Drake concert that I missed because I was working instead, you know. Of course, but guess what? I've got so many years ahead of me where I can now do that and I'm in a better position and I know what I enjoy now. Brilliant. Love the clarity. Right. Quick fire questions. The three non-negotiable behaviours that you, your sister and all the people around you have to buy into. What are your three key pillars? I think I've probably touched on a lot of these throughout these conversations, but to summarize, one is winning mentality. No doubt. Failure is not an option. If it's not there, then it can't happen. So you will win and you will reach your goal. Full stop. Two is problem solve. Please don't complain about the same thing over and over again. Think of a solution. I'm not saying that it will always be the right one, but test one. And if it doesn't work, test again. So always troubleshoot and find a solution to your problem. 
And I would say the third one is, I honestly think it's just setting goals because if you don't have a destination, where are you going? (laughs) You're just on this pointless journey. And I'm not saying that you have to have one big specific goal. It does not have to be a big one, but I would highly recommend if you want to get the most out of your life and really achieve maximum success at a high performance level, write down exactly what you want or what you think you want. Think about how you're going to get there and get cracking, get on with it. Don't procrastinate. Just go for it and take that risk. If you could go back to one moment of your life, what would it be and why? When I was younger, when I was about 18, 19, I really wanted to move to London. I really wanted to get a job in the city. And I didn't because I let external factors really hold me back. A little bit to do with like my background and kind of like um, just not having the opportunity to go out and explore. And I kind of put on a dampener on my own goals. Thought, okay, never mind. I'll just do this instead. And actually, if I could go back or I could speak to any young person out there and you have any dreams, go and get them, go and take the risk if you want to go move to London, if you want to go travel, if you want to just go and work in the chippy down the road, go and do it and go and speak to people. I am so in awe of young people that reach out to me and say, oh, wow, can you give me a bit of advice on this? Or I see posts on LinkedIn where young people are sharing about their journey. I never had that confidence back then. I never put myself out there. And if I did that back then, like, where would I actually be now? I'd be, I'd probably like be five miles, 10 miles ahead. So if I could go back to a time in my life, it would just be as a young person, put yourself out there, go take that risk whilst you can. And whilst you haven't got the extra responsibilities. How important is legacy to you? I do believe that as human beings, if we're here, like we need to make a positive impact on each other. I know we talk about success a lot and about high performance and achieving your goals, but actually we are all just human beings on a planet. Can we have a good time at the same time? And for me, I want to inspire people to go and live out your dreams and go and be happy. There are so many pressures on us to be successful, to perform at a high level, to go and have be the best at what you possibly can be. And that's all fine and that's great, but you really should be happy and true to yourself. And if that's binging on Netflix for five hours and eating a pizza, then go do that. But I would love my legacy to be, be literally being happy and being the best version of myself and having an amazing time. What advice would you give to a teenage happy just starting out? I feel like there's a lot of pressure on young people from an education perspective and also to pick a career and then you get funneled down that route. So if I was to go back, I don't think I would have actually gone to university. I would have done an apprenticeship instead because that would give me some qualifications and expose me to the world of work. My personal is what I would do. I just feel there's a lot of pressure on young people and I feel like this with my niece who's 14 at the moment. I don't know what to do because forever is a very long time and career sounds like for the rest of your life. I would just say to young people out there that you need to pick something that you enjoy for now or you think you might be good at. Pick your natural flair. There's a lot of pressure on social media now, okay? Everyone wants to be the the best in the gym or let's be a makeup artist or let's be a content creator and young people need to realize there's a lot of smoke and mirrors online it's not actually real it's a digital world and we need to use it as a tool 
And it's a fantastic tool to promote your business or whatever you're interested in. And we couldn't live without it now, but you have to realize there's some hard graft that goes behind every single profession and you can't suddenly be amazing at something. It takes hard work. So whatever you want to do, try not to worry too much about 20, 30, 40 years time. Pick something you enjoy now and you think you might be good at and go and dabble in it and go and shadow someone that does it day in, day out. See what hard work goes behind it and see if you're up for it. Great. And your final message for people listening to this, which is um, your sort of one guiding light, your North Star for high performance. What would you like your departing message to be for the people that have sat and listened to this conversation to leave a ringing in their ears? One of my biggest strengths, I believe, is respecting myself, investing myself and educating myself. You need to make sure that you feel good inside and outside, internally and externally. They're both just equally as important. If you're not going to put the best front on, if you're not going to be confident every single day and accept that you're doing the best that you can, you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else, be the best version of you, but take active steps to do that and learn and progress because all the tools are out there. We've all got YouTube, there's mentors, there's family, there's support networks, if you don't take the time to do that, you are going to be stuck and you're then going to fall into victim behavior. So I would definitely say take the time to invest in yourself, be confident and have respect for yourself because if you don't, no one else is going to. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank I think you. it's so important to have a, a message like this given to people where it is a mixture of self-belief hard work but also trying to be a good person at the same time and we know the way the world is right if you're a young man sitting there people go oh, i love the confidence mm. when you're a young woman sitting there we know there are going to be people watching this saying oh bit bit overconfident bit mm. arrogant because that's the world that we live in and i just love the fact that someone like you is sharing a message like this that you know our daughters can hear and be empowered by and be inspired by and i think that the message at the end there that it's all there for you is a great one because it is all there for everybody mm -hmm. and um, it's a case of finding it, going for it and most importantly of all, as you've described, believing that it will be a positive outcome. Thank you. And just touching on labels there, you're absolutely right. I feel like when men are confident, you know, it's amazing. It's assertive. And when a woman is, you do get comments of, wow, you know, she's full of herself. But I can honestly say, not a single one of those comments touches me because how would that affect my performance or my outcome or my life? It doesn't. You don't need to worry about what other people are saying or have negative thoughts. You do you. Go be the best version of you and you don't need to worry about what other people think. Damien. Jake. I know sometimes people are frustrated when we talk about an algorithm for success because it makes it sound like... Um, Anyone can be successful regardless of background and upbringing and circumstance. And I think we have to be careful having that conversation, right? But actually, Harpreet is a good example of someone that knows there is an algorithm to success. And it is passion, hard work, and absolute rock-solid self-belief that it is going to happen. And I think she's a heady mix of all of those things, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. I thought she was a real breath of fresh air to listen to her I, I the bit that stood out for me jake was that it was a phrase that that was redolent of uh, grace beverly when we interviewed grace who was who be, found entrepreneurship at a similar age to harpy where she said be where your feet are so when she was a cashier in her very first job 
that was what she was focused on doing, being the best cashier that she could. Then when she went to university, she wanted to be the best student. Then when she went on The Apprentice, it was about being the best that she could be at that moment. She wasn't always looking at the next, you know, I'll be great when I get to that position. I'll be great when I do this. It was constantly about booting her self-belief in the moment. And it comes back to that same old phrase that we use on this podcast that I will never get bored of repeating, do the best you can where you are with what you've got. That's exactly what Harpreet has done. If we do that, we can't go far wrong. But then with it, you need to take those moonshots. You need to be brave. I love that story she told about. I sat in the car and I said, I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the bank. And I can relate to that sense of excitement when you make a big call. Because I think for me anyway, what happens is you make that big decision, you make that brave, bold decision, and then you have no choice but to make it work. And actually, the decision to make something successful is almost the most important element. If you just decide it's going to be a success, you will give it everything. And by giving it everything, it will be a success. Yeah. Do you remember when we spoke to Matthew McConaughey around that, when he said that he would decide 100% he was going to take a film role, and then he would give himself a grace of a couple of weeks to live with that decision? And then if it felt uncomfortable, they'd then give himself a moment of pause to make an alternative decision. But you're right, it's that moment of decision that then creates clarity that then leads to action and therefore leads to the results. And the single worst thing you can do in life is not make that decision. I mean, I, I hesitate to say even if it's the wrong one. I don't think it is the wrong one because I think the, the wrong one is no decision at all. Imagine she had decided not to quit the bank or decided not to go on The Apprentice or decided not to go into business with her sister and just floated through not being brave and bold. We would not be speaking to Harpreet on today's podcast. No, and I don't think would be inspiring a generation of young women that will see her, you know, see where she's come from and see what she's gone on to achieve and undoubtedly what she's going to go on and achieve as well. Well, it's now time in the show to meet um, a guest who listens to the High Performance Podcast. Here's a message that came into us. It said, I'm a veterinary surgeon and work in an industry that if you make a mistake, the consequences are high. Vets have a four times higher suicide rate than the average. The mental health issues involved in the job are often discussed, but it's hard to move forward, especially with the recruitment crisis occurring at the moment. I've been qualified for 12 years and I found myself feeling resentful towards the job at times and struggling to find the passion I once had for it. It's a career, like most vets, that I've wanted to do since the age of seven. However, the reality of the work we do can often be mentally and physically crushing. But I want to just say thank you as listening to the High Performance Podcast in the last year has inspired and helped me form a positive growth mindset. I've recently made some changes which have allowed me to have the confidence to go back to learning and find the excitement and motivation for a career that I felt lost in. Well, that came from Jess the Vet, who joins us now. Hi, Jess. Hi, And uh, Darcy as well, I believe. Yeah, she's lying by my side. <laughs> who's Darcy? She's my little Jack Russell, who's also been on the journey. I actually got her as when I qualified. So as soon as I qualified, I was like, I'm getting a dog. And so she's been on the journey with me. Love this. Right, look, Jess, let's get straight into this. I mean, that is a shocking statistic that vets have a four times higher suicide rate than the average. I didn't know that. I, I don't think that is common knowledge outside of your industry. But I'm really interested to get straight into the changes you've made that have allowed you to have the confidence to go back to learning. Would you mind sharing those with us so that the people listening to this can perhaps take some advice from you? Yeah, I think um, if I just go back briefly, it started... I think there was a fear for me when I went, when you go to vet school, it's hard work. It's a hard slog and uh, completely 
struggled with it really burnt out so when I finished I was like I don't ever want to have that stress or that you know go back to that studying but 12 years down the line of doing this career you kind of progression can be quite standard and sometimes I think it's hard to progress in in this career sometimes you can just be in a practice and doing the same routine things every single day and I kind of I was just like I don't know what I'm doing here this is not this the realities of it is not what I've worked for um so I think over lockdown I think like many people you kind of analyze what's going on in your life and also I was recommended your podcast um so like just listening to that and just listening to some very inspiring people and the one thing I got from it was taking responsibility for yourself you know not blaming everybody else out there for the things that are going on with you you've got to kind of take responsibility look at what's going on and I just I kind of like asked myself what I really wanted and the outcome of that was to be the best vet I could possibly be so I kind of decided to reduce my hours, so take a quite a substantial pay cut and go back to university. So I do, I work part-time as a vet, three days a week, long shifts though, and uh, um, and then two days studying um, for a certificate to basically specialise. But just more for me to just to go back and learn and get that kind of passion for what I'm doing you know this job the one good thing about this job is you're you're learning all the time um well there's so much to learn I don't think anybody could ever stop learning in it you know there's just it's just for endless amount of information you can you can learn and and progress with but I think I was scared to do that before um just because I didn't want to put that extra stress on myself to study exams writing go back to assignments essays god it's yeah it's stressful but it was just having the confidence to know that I was capable of it going back and I can do it. And it's made a big difference. Yeah, made a big difference to me. Wow, that's phenomenal, Jess. I, I think one of the things that stands out in your answer there is that you've asked yourself a question that so many of our interviewees have, which is the why question. So why do you want to be the best vet you possibly can be? I think being a vet isn't just a job. Any vet will tell you that. It's hard because it becomes part of your identity, which I know is a... It's difficult to get away, you know, everybody knows you as just the vet, you know, and I even answer, I answer phone calls as just, I'm just the vet. And I think when you get to a certain point along your career, it's easy to just do the things that you've always done just from experience. You've, you've always done it that way, but it doesn't mean it's the right way to do things. I want to be able to just have the confidence and know that I, and know that my clients can trust me and have the confidence, you know, like I just want them to be like, you know, she knows what she's doing. People that can come to me and, you know, know that I've actually gone out there, put myself out of my comfort zone, gone and got the knowledge, you know, so they can come to me and I can be a mentor to other people and, uh, you know, have clients that can trust me and know that I've done all that I can to, to be there for their, you know, their family members, which is ultimately what they are, you know. Uh, anybody that knows me if, if I will do something I want to do it to the best of my ability you know I just want to do it to the best I can possibly be and I, I don't think I was I felt like I was doing that I felt like I was reluctant to push myself out of that comfort zone and get there listen I think um you know what you have to remember quite often Jess for people like you that are operating at the very top and they want to be the best they can be being all in giving 100% being totally committed 
that can give you amazing opportunities and create a wonderful life. But at the same time, mentally and personally, I'm sure you will agree with this, it can be really difficult and quite draining at times. So I think for you to come on here and to share those learnings and those lessons is powerful for lots of other people because they will be like you, living the life they always dreamed of, doing the thing they trained for, doing the thing as an eight-year-old they thought about every day. And it's like, well, why does this not make me feel like I always thought it would? And I think it's a really strong reminder that like we're not just on this linear path of more happiness every single week or every single month. There's there's low points, there's high points. And as long as every little while you check in with yourself and you feel like you're making progression, either, it, well, probably only in the happiness stakes, that's actually the, the true measure, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it is going by, you know, just by pushing yourself and progressing and learning or knowing that you, or putting yourself out there to learn. I think that's really important, Jack. Well, listen, Jess, thank you so much for coming on. Um, very best of luck with everything. Give Darcy a cuddle from us. <laughs> and, you know, just remember why you did it in the first place. Keep listening to the podcasts. But remember, it's within you. This isn't us that's made this change. You've made this change. We've just simply facilitated it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Listen, I really hope you've enjoyed this. If you want to watch the interview with Harpreet or any other of our 100 plus guests, then please subscribe on YouTube. We're almost up to 100,000 subscribers on there. We'd love you to be one of them. We've also got well over 20,000 members of our free High Performance Club. It's called the High Performance Circle, where you will get free keynote speeches. You will get high performance boosts. You will get weekly newsletters. You'll get the first opportunity to buy tickets for all of our events. You'll get cool discounts from brands that we love working with. If you want to find out more, just go to thehighperformancepodcast.com, click circle, and you can join it right there. As always, huge thanks to you for growing our audience, for growing and spreading and sharing our message right around the world. A big shout to everybody in South Africa, Australia, Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Germany, Spain, where we've got huge amounts of listeners and everyone in Dubai as well. We get so many messages every week from Dubai. We'll have to come there and do one of our high performance live shows. Um, but please continue to spread the learnings you're taking from high performance. Thanks to Finn from Rethink Audio, to Hannah, to Will, to Eve, to Gemma. Huge thanks to Harpreet for coming on and sharing her story. The biggest thanks, though, is yours. Remember, there is no secret. It is all there for you. So just chase world-class basics. Don't get high on your own supply. Remain humble, curious, and most of all, put empathy above opinion. And we'll see you for another episode very soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.